is it within the window of acceptability to go like, you know, uh, like what is it? Was it the, uh, the, the FDA will allow you to have a, a certain percentage of cockroach <laughs> droppings in your food before it becomes unacceptable. And it's like, all right, cool. I'm still eating cockroach <laughs> droppings. Damn, I'm glad I didn't peek in high, high school. Cause my best days will be in the past. I know, I know, I know, I know. Looking back, it ain't all bad. But damn, I'm glad I didn't peek in high, high school. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another week of the Tension Podcast. We're a show that acknowledges that most of life and faith is lived in the tension between the two extremes. Each week, we look at what many of us were taught growing up in evangelical churches. We weigh it against what our current culture is saying, and we try to find what Jesus has for us in the tension between the two. We have met. My name is Jonathan Carone, and we're joined, as always, by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. Eric Williams is hard to say sometimes, so, you know. I'm I was I was wondering if you were going to get me on yeah, that no, one. My, trust me, my nothing, spe- nothing. needing speech class in kindergarten, ours came out right there. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, this week, man, I, I'm not going to, like, definitively say that this is the most tension filled for me, but usually there, usually on our topics, there's like a black and white side that I, that I'm like, okay, both of these sides are stupid, live in the middle type of thing, or, you know, both sides have it way wrong. But like, this is one I really struggle with because like, I don't, I'm trying to get more and more comfortable as I get older, sitting in the spot where I don't need to be certain about things in order to move forward. And this is one of those philosophical issues for me that is, it's tough to sit there, but I believe it's the right way. You know, it's like, it's what you need to do, but you don't know if you've got the strength to do it. Before we get into that, I want to remind you that uh, this season we've been focused on the culture war going on around us and how Christians can live and function in the midst of it. Uh, We are doing a and a mailbag next Monday, October the 23rd. If you have a question you want for that to be answered, uh, please send those in by this Thursday. If you're listening to this live as it comes out October 19th, uh, you can send them in to hello at tensionpodcast.com or to either one of us on social. Eric is at Eric W712 on Instagram, and I am at Jonathan underscore Corone on there as well. But like Eric mentioned, this week is a one of the harder tensions uh, that we're going to talk about. We've kind of been building to this throughout the season. Last week, we talked about... Um, how and why church scandals and cover-ups and those things happen. Uh, If you didn't listen to that and you're interested in it, go check out that episode. But this week, we're going to kind of talk about the fallout to those things. What do we do with the work of those who have ended up in scandals? Can we or should we still reference teaching from guys like Mark Driscoll or Ravi Zacharias or Brian Houston or Carl Lentz or I mean, insert whatever scandal you're thinking about right here. Can can we still use their works? Can we still reference them when we're talking about stuff? Do we, like, it kind of gets back to our cancel culture episode. Do you just cancel them completely? Like, what's the deal? Yeah, and, and I think, like, maybe I should have saved this for later in the in the show, but this is, like, something that just came to me was um, in college, if this shows you any at all, what kind of, like, young, angry, Republican, you know, pre-reformed guy. I was getting ready to fight people. You know, this was in college. We had a leadership development class and, you know, the question always comes up in leadership development or, or in philosophy or something like that. You know, we talk about leaders and other stuff like that. 
And we were trying to argue about whether or not Hitler was a good leader. Right. I think most everybody (laughs) it's, it's tough. I think you know where this is going, but we're less than four minutes in and you're already bringing up Hitler. This is going to be a long day. Well, it's, it's difficult because in like 2023, I mean, if you go back five years, everybody would go, the things Hitler did were bad. Right. But in 2023, there are probably people (laughs) listening to this. I don't know. It's probably some sort of Jewish conspiracy, deep state putting him in, you know, it was the Argentinians were right. You know, like some weird thing where all of a sudden you're going to justify that, that the Nazis were okay. Right. Uh, Anyway, uh, definitively, I'm saying they were not, but in that class, you know, I was like, Hey, by the definition of leadership where leaders get other people to follow them, and to do more together than they would have without the leader, uh, Hitler was an effective leader. Now I changed the word. I said effective. You know what I mean? It was like, but that argument, it was so strong because it was like, can we acknowledge good attributes to someone that was overwhelmingly bad? And I think like Hitler's an easy case to be able to go, okay, this guy, most everybody would say, hopefully 99.9%, maybe his mom wouldn't, but like, Hitler, bad guy, right? But can we accept that he did good things? You know, I I don't know. We have this society where everything everything is bad. You know, it's it's almost like going back to our our sin talk of like the the glass of water with the little red piece of food coloring and once sin comes in and now it's all you can't escape it and blah blah blah, you know. It's like, man, I I don't I don't know if that like I'm not advocating for Hitler or anybody like to do the leadership principles of Hitler, but man, there is a bit of, was there Andrew still, Tate probably did that. what'd you say? Andrew Tate probably already did that. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> That's a Andrew Tate waiting for the yeah, a high quality man like Hitler. Anyway. Um, uh, like, are we able to pull out good things from bad people or is it something where because of the bad things, you know, you, you cannot, you cannot accept any of the good, you know, some, for some people it's, uh, it's like ethically sourced foods, like coffee is a big thing. Like, was this ethically sourced? Cause if not, I can't drink the coffee, you know? Um, but Nike or Apple or anything else like that, it's like they use uh non-ethical labor to put these things together or, you know, whatever, you know, there's these differences of, can you still accept that this is a good cup of coffee, even if it's not organic and ethically sourced? I know that that's not the same as what we're talking about necessarily when, when we think about some of the allegations from someone like Robbie Zacharias. Um, but like, what do we do? And then there's also the, like the, I put it in the notes that what I would say, like the non scandal people, you've got like a Derek Webb who is in Cademan's call. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, he starts becoming more progressive and now, wow, we can't listen to anything he says or any of that. Or Rob Bell, where it's like Kevin Max is the same way. Who from DC Talk? Yeah, DC Talk, right? Exactly. Like, are their songs still good? You know, Rob Bell sermons. Can you listen to some of those old ones? And you know, I got notes and notes and notes from some of his stuff that I'm like, I still use in my brain as part of my theological um, scaffolding from now. And then, you know, even in society, like if you think through, we've got Hitler. Let's go all the way on the other side, Martin Luther King. I would say most people would say Martin Luther King, good guy, right? Like for the most part, who knows? Again, 2023, you probably got some people out there like, no, he was a whatever. But like, there are 
credible allegations that he was an adulterer. And there are even allegations that he had like a, a really bad ring of sexual transgressions of not just consensual adultery, but Ravi Zacharias type of things. But like, what do we do with that? You know, those are the types of things where it's like, it's, it's. And that's relevant also because he was a pastor. He's known as being a pastor. Right. That, that's, that's why it makes it so much more relevant to this conversation as well. So on one, like if, we, if we look at the culture today, on one side of the tension, you have people who say we have to throw out everything these people ever said or did or created because their failures condemn their work completely. And then on the other side, you have people who will totally write off any of the scandals and still reference the teachings as if nothing happened, because like we talked about last week in some of the stuff, look at all the good it did for the kingdom. And they, they won't even acknowledge some of these scandals or they will act like the scandals are just attacks from the devil or trying to keep us down or whatever it might be. But if you're listening to this show, my guess is you understand that this tension does exist and that what we should do falls somewhere between these two extremes. And so we're going to talk about what those are. But before we get to that in the nuts and bolts of it, we kind of have to point out that this same thing we're talking about has been going on in so many things this season. None of it's new. We aren't the first generation to deal with pastors who taught something really well, but ended up disqualifying themselves from ministry for doing stupid and harmful things. Just like we aren't the first generation to deal with Christians trying to start a culture war. And we're not the first generation to experience Christian nationalism. And we're not the first generation to experience outlandish Christian boycotts. Like none, like none of these things are new. We're just experiencing them in different ways, in different contexts, and we're experiencing them for the first time. So we're trying to figure out how to live in that tension for us in ways that might have been different than previous generations. So what do we do with good teaching, or let's just say good fruit in general, from teachers or leaders who have proven to make bad decisions, or maybe they've gone a different place with their theology that isn't in line with mainstream Christian orthodoxy, or maybe they just turn out to be bad people. What do we do? I think, and where I kind of want to talk today is, there are three levels to this or three layers, three buckets, three, whatever you want to call it. So Eric, the first one I want to talk about is theology. People who maybe they went, the Rob Bell example is probably a good one here. Um, another one can be CS Lewis. Uh, he, he has some really great things, but he also has some theology. That's probably a little sketchy. So what in my mind, and you tell me if you agree or disagree, I don't love this phrase, but I think with people like that, you eat the meat and spit out the bones. I I don't know that I agree with anyone fully theologically. I don't think you and I agree completely theologically, but I think there are, there are places where people can communicate things really well and have this, in my opinion, Holy spirit guided intuition for what the scriptures mean in one place, but that doesn't mean they get it right in every place. Yeah, I think that, well, and I think you and I probably share this too, like being someone who's given messages before or sermons or whatever, whatever you want to call it, right? 
people who have preached the word and done um, any sort of spiritual teaching. I think there's also like room for your own bias, your own uh, misspoken pieces, like your own season of life. Because I, I mean, I think there would be times where I'd go back and like the early, early messages that I gave to middle school students when I was in my 20s, um, I would probably not say some of the things that I said, or I wouldn't agree with theologically. But would I say that these are like theologically accurate or seasonally? I think you can even break it down to the point where like I remember in in the big reformed circles where, you know, people would get all up in arms if you uh you know, if you use the like, ah, oh, the Holy or the the Trinity, it's like, it's like water, ice, and gas. It's like, no, no, that's a heresy. Ugh, okay, fine. The Trinity, it's like uh, the different branches of the military. Nah, you know, heresy. Like, there's there's something theologically wrong about both of those things. Uh, however, is it within the window of acceptability to go like, you know, uh, <laughs> like what is it? Was it the uh, the the FDA? will allow you to have a, a certain percentage of cockroach <laughs> droppings in your food before it becomes unacceptable. And it's like, all right, cool. I'm still eating cockroach <laughs> droppings, but there's a certain percent that's acceptable. You know, is there a certain percent of like when it comes to theolo the th theology where you can accept that? And when it goes beyond that, are you allowed to cut out the bad stuff? Like you said, eat the meat, spit out the bones or what happens in my house all the time, you know, produce is just a, uh, uh, it just goes on a trip from the grocery store to our fridge and then to the trash after it gets all yep. moldy. But, you know, like once it starts to get the green on it, can you cut that out or throw away those strawberries and still eat the rest? I say yes. I haven't died yet. You know, so here, here's an example I'll, I'll give and we'll use friend of the show, Mark Driscoll. Ooh, love him. Yep. Call us, Mark. We miss you. I think his views on marriage and women are garbage. Oh, you mean, like, uh, you mean having something being called a penis holster? Isn't, uh, no. Okay. Okay. Great. It, for those of you that don't know, he referred to women's, uh, anatomy as something akin to a penis holster. Good luck to all you guys listening with your 14 year old kids. Yep. Um, but I, I, I think the way he approaches marriage and uh, women in general is absolutely wrong, but his paper on creation that I read when I was in seminary totally opened my eyes to the different theological realities of Genesis one and two. Mm. He laid out the different ideas of what Genesis one and two could mean from a seven literal days to a, uh, metaphorical view or to the gap theory. Like he laid those out. And I'm like, as someone who grew up in more of a fundamentalist idea, I had only been taught that it was seven literal days. I didn't know that there were other possible interpretations of that. And the way he taught that completely opened my mind up to new versions of things that I didn't know already. And oh, you yeah. could say the same thing, like his, his doctrine book, there were some really great things within that book that helped me understand why some of the things we do, what we do let, help me learn more of that. But I can't agree with him on everything. Yeah. I mean, like I would, I'd agree with saying like his, his section of the 10 things forgiveness is not like, if you just Google Mark Driscoll things, forgiveness is not. And he lays out like forgiveness is not 
forgetting. Forgiveness is not, you know, all, all these different things. Like, I, I mean, I haven't read it recently. Um, so maybe I, I just caveat there, but like, yeah, that was money for me for years, even after, after the scandal, those sorts of things, his, his verse by verse breakdown going through Luke, every single verse. Uh, I mean, that was a great sermon series. There are pieces of it that are problematic, but man, if you want some extra biblical study or commentary based on it, it's, that's good reference. But in the same way that you would, for me, it's like, it's kind of like, I don't know, watching a sports commentator. Do I generally like the takes from certain people? Yeah. You know, and I, do I like them all? No, of course not. You know, like as soon as Skip Bayless opens his mouth, 90% of the stuff, I'm like, no, this is garbage. Right. But like, can you take the 10% and go, ah, that was a good point. I mean, if you're intellectually honest with yourself, you can. Okay. So that's theologically. The next category here is behaviorally. Okay. And I think this one is a lot harder than theologically. Yep. Um, someone can do something so heinous. It makes it impossible for you to separate what they say from what they did, even if it's factually correct. Hmm. And Ravi's probably the best example here. I mean, he was a world-class apologist who. Just for our viewers, define apology so that it doesn't seem like apologist. So oh, it doesn't seem yeah, like he was sorry. excusing that, all of his a, actions. That's a baseball term. No, so, uh, so apologetics is basically just describing how things could have happened or why. They, it's defending the faith. Yeah. Um, and he, his, the Ravi Zacharias ministries were all about teaching you ways to defend against the questions of Christianity and how you can answer those things with facts and, um, ideas so that you can have those discussions with people who are not believers or ha who have questions. So Ravi Zacharias was world-class, one of the best to ever live in that, Yeah. but his sexual abuse and misconduct were so heinous as well. Like as great as he was at biblical apologetics, he was just as bad with sexual abuse and misconduct. And do we have I to don't say know that I can separate the two. There, do we have to say allegedly here? Because there's not there's not proof. I mean, we believe victims. Okay, alleged, he was allegedly say. as bad, but I think yeah. they admitted to some stuff. Great. Um, yep, great. Post death. Sure. Post his death. But. I fully understand if someone cannot separate what he did as a human being from his work as an apologist. If like, if you like, if you cannot say separate that, I totally get that. Um, if you feel that way, I'm all for it. But there are some people who can separate the actions of someone from their teachings. And in that case, I would hope that you make the distinction when talking about him or sharing what he said, that if they impacted you in a personal way, okay, I'm, I'm not going to say you can't hold on to it, but if you're talking about Ravi Zacharias, you have to make a distinction. Hey, I'm not condoning him as a person. I'm not condoning what he did, but this right. thought I think was spot on. And, and I think that's the, you know, from my side, we've talked about a lot with different levels of like, uh, 
lesser sins or the the stupid side or the not you know in moderation type of situation not what ravi zacharias or any of these other people's not what they've done but the listening to them and accepting their their points i think needs to be a personal conviction rather than being something that's like prescribed for everybody so if you are somebody who is particularly uh like okay so like for instance i know an, an acquaintance who's um whose mother died from, from cancer and she detests the color pink now because everything around that time, you know, there was breast cancer, it was happening. And like, so everybody was doing pink things and we were wearing pink and you know, all pink, 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 pink. And then it's like, because that color associates with such a traumatic and awful time in my life, I cannot, I, I detest pink, but I'm not out there telling everybody else you can't wear pink or you can't, you know, you're, you have to detest pink as well. Cause in the situation, cancer is the bad thing. Pink is not, but I mean, depending on how you feel. Right. So I think there's, there's a little bit of that as well, where you're like, uh, the action that someone like a Ravi Zacharias took was bad. The, the, the other pieces were not necessarily, but if you are in a situation where you're like, I mean, if you're if you're the victim or close to a victim or you're in the same you, you've had a similar s thing happen to you that whatever, like, yeah, for sure. Even the mention of the name is not going to be healthy for you. So awesome. But so I'll, give another, you, I'll give another example for for if someone is a child of divorce where like so my wife is a child of divorce. Her dad had multiple affairs when she was younger. Yeah. If a pastor is caught having affairs. Mm. I've, and you're a child of that, or you've been impacted by that. I totally understand if you never want to hear anything from that person ever again. Yep. If this pastor was caught in an affair and you know that about him, that can disqualify him for you. And I think that's totally good. But for someone else, I think this is where the tension lies. Like, that's not my background. I understand what he did was absolutely wrong yep, and was sinful and should not have happened. But here, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Carl Lentz, Hillsong, New York City pastor. Yep. He was um, caught in an affair with his nanny. He was also a part of some really terrible systems within Hillsong, New York City. Yep. Uh, that it was, a, it was a Hulu or FX documentary that came out earlier this year on Hillsong. He was in that. And Carl Lentz has kind of completely stepped away from ministry. Mm -hmm. Not kind of. He did completely step away from ministry. He moved to Florida. He went through counseling. He is working on his marriage to stay with his wife, even though he had the affair. He didn't leave her. He has gone to counseling to find out what led him to those decisions that he made so that he could avoid them in the future. He talks all about this in the documentary. Um, and he's now working in an anonymous job, I think in marketing, because we all go to marketing after leaving church. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, or consulting. But he's he's not even working with the church like he didn't try to get some church consulting gig he didn't try to like he's working this job where no one knows who he is and he's completely different than um when he was at new york uh, hillsong new york 
for me, I see that and I'm like, okay, that guy made mistakes that were terrible. Right. That should not have happened. But a lot of it was the product of the environment he was in. Doesn't excuse it. Doesn't say it's okay. It just, that's how it happened. And he is doing the work to fix it and to make it better and to restore the relationships that were hurt. He is, as of now that we know of, is not a serial abuser. He is not a serial cheater or infidelity person or whatever. So for me, given my background, I can hear Carl Lentz's past sermons and still be okay with it. And still be okay learning from him. And um, listen, Steve Fee is kind of the same way, if we want to go there. Uh, Fee Band was huge in the 2010s. He had an affair. Um, North Point pulled him off stage, put him through a restoration process, and he worked behind the scenes for a long time and impacted a lot of North Point's music. Yeah, he was writing and producing and all that kind of stuff, yeah. While going through the restoration process, I can still listen to Steve music because of that. Like, but I understand if someone can't. And honestly, for me, I still listen to Steve Fee through that process because like his stuff was, was really good and impacted me in a way that I needed in that season. And so it's like, what do you, what do you do with those things? Fee is a great example. I think if you go to a secular example, we talk about cancel culture and canceling people all the time. Like um, for me, John Mulaney is one of those where, you know, he, drug abuser which again he's not like hurt quote unquote hurting other people um as much as what we're talking about on the other side but like i listen to his comedy and i love his comedy and he's gone through a restoration process and gone back through rehab and things like that like it's it's tough but i i think even going back to your sermon example like you were talking about with a uh with a pastor who's done something wrong i would take that even a step further and I, like for some people there there's such a small window when they talk about what we do for good fruit from bad, bad people or whatever, right? It's, well, if they did this heinous thing, then you can't listen to them. I would even extend when I say that this needs to be a personal conviction for you and what help, what's going to help you understand and receive the gospel and receive these, these truths in the best way and, and actually, you know, impact your life. Like nobody's going to listen to the same thing anyway and take the same thing out of it. We're all going to need something different. And I would even say, like, if you've been if you've been affected by somebody, I don't know, and they have a, they have a particular accent and the pastor or preacher or whatever that you're listening to now has that same sound of accent. And it reminds you of the abuse that you suffered or something else like, yeah, have a personal conviction and say, I'm sorry, you're great. There's nothing, nothing, nothing against you. But like, I just can't. I can't personally listen and receive in a good posture here. Same thing with music. It's like, if I go to a traditional church, yes, those hymns have theologically impactful lyrics. But if it's bad music, huh? I hate him. I I hate hymns because they remind me of a time in my life that I did not like church. Right. So can you have a personal conviction that says, this is not the way this, this is not an environment that's conducive for me to worship. I mean, some people would say like, Oh no, well you need to get over your own personal blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, we, what we need to do it, it, that would, that would be just like at, at Pentecost. If you know, all the people with the, with the different, different uh, uh, languages that they spoke, 
if all of a sudden the disciples, the apostles were like, uh, we're going with Aramaic. Everybody's got to learn Aramaic. We're not, we're not going to speak anything else. So if you, if you know Greek, sorry, Hebrew, no, it, it's going to be Aramaic. We're only talking Aramaic. So everybody over here, Aramaic. No, that's not how it happened. Like there was multitude of languages in order for people to understand and talk and speak. It's like, yeah, that, that's what happened. It, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, go to all na go to all nations and baptize it. It was like, uh, Hey, everybody, you got to come to Jerusalem. If you want the gospel thing. No, it was like, we're going to, we're going to ad adapt and adjust for other people's needs and preferences. You don't have to put up with stuff that you don't necessarily prefer, but you also can't point that out. The things you don't prefer and say that they're, they're bad universally. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think for this section of the, uh, the conversation, like, I don't think I can tell you who you can or cannot listen to. Yeah. I don't think you can tell me who I can or cannot listen to, but at the same time, I need to be respectful of your opinions that if, Hey, you can you feel you can't listen to Ravi, then I don't need to bring him up in conversation with you. Right. Like I need to be, I need to be respectful of you enough. If I know you are offended or upset by uh, things that Hillsong did because of your past and, or your connection with things that they did, I don't need to be bringing up Hillsong United songs or messages from Brian Houston, even if I personally benefited from those things. So it's a, res right. I think it's a respect thing overall. It's a freedom at liberty and respect thing. I have the freedom to do this. I have the liberty to choose, but I need to respect you and you need to respect me altogether. And that's, that's the hard part because it requires us to love others as we love ourselves, which is almost like it's the golden rule and yeah. treat each other with that respect that so many in our culture do not have today. Yep. Now the last piece of this conversation for today, I think personally is the hardest and that's organizationally. What do we do with organizations that we disagree with or have proven to be corrupt, but also produce good things? And I'm going to give you a couple examples, and then we'll get into the conversation back and forth, just so everyone listening can understand where I'm coming from. Um, I have major issues with the Southern Baptist Convention. If you listen to the show for a long time, you know that. Uh, whether it's their views on women and how hateful and mean-spirited that debate became this past summer uh, or the way they approached the racial tensions of 2020. And there's other stuff as well, but I don't like to associate with the SBC in general. I'm okay, okay with individual SBC churches because they're all autonomous and each church is different, but the convention as a whole, I don't love to be around, but the SBC is probably the best in the country when it comes to disaster relief. Anytime there's a wildfire or a hurricane or something terrible happens, the SBC disaster relief ministries mobilize and get people to work, to help in those areas faster than anybody, except maybe the red cross and sometimes faster than the red cross. Yep. And that is incredible work of the gospel in those situations. So that's one example. Another example is Operation Christmas Child or Samaritan's Purse. Um, Samaritan's Purse is run by Franklin Graham. I don't like Franklin Graham. I don't like yeah. what he's become. 
I don't like the way he approaches most things in general. But Operation Christmas Child Samaritan's Purse does a lot of really good work. And the reason this is a tension for me is because their packing operation is um, an hour or two away from me. My wife went to, and, and they invite people to come in. You can go in and help pack the Operation Christmas Child boxes with your family or your church. And my wife has done this before, and she said it's an incredible experience. And so it's like, do I want to do that? Do I want to be a part of that or associated with that? Because I cannot stand the leadership of it, even though it does good work. And the third example I'll give you just to round this out, uh, Liberty University. Okay. I, if, if, you, if you listen to this for a long time, you, you kind of know I am a two-time Liberty grad. Jerry Jr. did a lot of awful, terrible things. The executive board that is in place is 100% corrupt. The high-level level leadership at Liberty um, is as well. And there have been a ton of things done wrong at Liberty that has made me not want to support my school. I don't promote the fact that I'm from Liberty very often. I've stopped following most things that go on there, but I know that Liberty's done a lot of good work in the world. I know the students and the faculty at Liberty has done a lot of good work in the world. And so there is a tension of, do I support this organization despite the corruption, despite the things they have done that have actively hurt people because of the good that has been committed done by the on the ground people in the ministry. And I yeah. think that's where it comes down to the leadership of these organizations do terrible things. The people inside these organizations do incredible things. And how do we separate the good fruit from the bad organizations? Yeah. And I think it, but it's, 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 if we look at it logically, you have to have a, a, a personalized approach or, you know, looking at it in a sense of gray, because how far do you go? Liberty is a great example. If you disagree with Liberty, it's like, are you denouncing your degrees? Are you going to a different college or university to get the same degrees? Because now, because of some universal conviction that the leadership of Liberty was bad, you have to toss out your degrees. Uh, and hey, people, I'm, I'm going to take it one step further. Yeah. My great personal experiences that significantly impacted who I am today. Right. Yeah. In a positive way. Yeah. Any friends or anybody that you met at Liberty? Are you now like cutting them off? Oh, we met under this circumstance. So must be bad. So like, no, I, I don't think that that's happening. Some people, sure. Maybe you would see you're going to go all the way and do all that. Great. But like it's there's still a level of personalization based on what you can handle and what you think is appropriate. And that's why I would relate it to like alcohol. You know, it's like in moderation, you know, are are you going to be a Jerry fanboy and are you going to go out there and like sing his praises and say everything is great? No. So that's one end. On the other end, are you going to, you know, throw away your degrees and go to a different college and like, you know call your former employers and everything else like that and say, these, these degrees don't mean anything and break up with all your friends that you had from Liberty and, and any, anything that you've gained, throw that out. Or if you say, Oh, I learned this at Liberty, uh, I got to throw it out. Like, no, you wouldn't do that either. There is some level of personalization based on the subjectivity of the matter. Yeah. And I think, blind support of anything is 
usually pretty bad. Not being able to acknowledge the good and the bad is unhealthy. Yeah. If if you say, if you talk about only the good things an organization does without being willing to admit to the bad things, you're naive. Right. If I'm giving, if I'm giving you the benefit of that, you're, you're, you're naive or are willfully turning a blind eye. Yeah. At the same time, if you only mention the bad things that an organization does without also taking into consideration the good things, then you're not looking at the whole picture either. I, th- I don't, th- I don't think you're being intellectually honest. Yep. And there comes a point when the bad things outweigh the good. Sure. And I don't know that there is a definitive line for where that point is across the board. A definitive universal line, like for everybody. Yes. Yeah. But is that where you can actually look and like, if we go back to the Hitler analogy and we say, uh, leading people effectively rallying them around a cause, uh, good. Um, using that power and ability to, uh, decimate, uh, and exact a genocide on, on a group of people while also kill like, no bad. Like we could say bad, you know what I mean? Like being, being one of the, uh, one of the pioneers in, um, racial reconciliation and, and equal rights and things like that. Like MLK, good. Um, sleeping around or at, at the worst abusing numbers and numbers of women bad, you know, like one can be separate from the other because here, here's what I would say. Not every, not every killer or mass murderer has a great leadership ability. Not every, um, serial adulterer and or sexual abuser uh it can speak for uh you know racial like like, you know what i mean like there's just not those things aren't the same together there so we need to pull them out in the other area as well yeah at the end of the day you have to decide what is worth the moral stand for you I can't tell you what it is. I don't think you can tell me what it is, but we have to be respectful of each other and understanding that we're going to disagree with this based off of personal experience, personal thoughts and preferences. And this is a time and a situation where ultimately loving others the way Jesus loves them comes to the forefront again. Yep. I may be okay supporting X, Y, or Z. If you're not okay supporting X, Y, and Z, all right, cool. I'm not going to talk about X, Y, and Z around you. Or if I do, I'm going to be respectful when I do and say, hey, I understand that you don't, that this bothers you, but this is a principle that impacted me that I want to talk about. Yep. Or I know there are people listening to this episode who go to Southern Baptist churches or they go to Liberty University right now. I, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong for doing those things. Personally, yeah. I don't want to go to an SBC church and I don't want to send my kids to Liberty. Right. But that's my conviction. 
Yep. That's not necessarily your conviction. Your church might be doing incredible things for the gospel in your community. And it just so happens to be associated with the SBC because 50 years ago, that's who the church leaders wanted to associate with. Yep. You may be going to Liberty and you're learning incredible things. You're in a prayer group with some amazing people. You're on this ministry team doing this incredible thing. And if that's your situation right now, beautiful. I'm so glad for you to lean into that. And hopefully when you're out of school 15 years from now, like I am, you're still texting your friends from school with memories that you have, that you're making right now. Like that, that's my hope for you, but I don't, I don't want to be a part of it anymore. Mm-hmm. That's just where I'm at. And so I think multiple things can be true. I think this is not a black and white issue. And this is a true tension that we all have to live in together. Yeah. Yeah. And if we bring it to this, you know, bring it to something that's maybe not more like, I like to bring out different analogies to be able to go, okay, let's relate it this way. You know, um, we had a, we had a party for uh, get together for a birthday catered, everything like that. 30 people showed up, whatever. Um, this is going to be mostly serving barbecue and things like that. I knew there were going to be vegetarians showing up. We wanted to make sure that we intentionally provided other things that they could eat. Um, so in a situation where you're a church leader, I'll take their brisket. Right. Yeah, exactly. If you're, or, or even like we knew somebody was gluten intolerant. So making sure some of their bread and stuff like that, like was gluten-free buns and, you know, buy a pack of gluten-free buns. If you know that about somebody, um, you either point it out, you either make the, like at, at the furthest end, you make the accommodation. Hey, we, you know, we're accommodating you because we know that there's something that you have that's a personal need or preference. So as a church leader, that's it. Making sure that you're aware of those things and making accommodations. The step back from that is like at least letting someone know, hey, we're going to be serving, you know, mostly mostly meat and uh, we don't have anything that's really like gluten free. Here's, here's what the menu is. Feel free to make your adjustments, right? So you let them choose, at least let them know. What we absolutely do not do is we don't say, oh, you what? That's your preference? No, get over it. Here, start start eating this brisket. Or no, you just haven't tried the right, like you're, you haven't tried the right bread. I don't care about your celiac disease, your gluten intolerance or your lactose intolerance. Like take the mac and cheese, you know? We don't do that. And so in the same way, theologically, I don't think we do that either by forcing someone to either like or don't like something based on something that's not their preference or something that they literally, I mean, when it comes to anxiety and comes to PTSD and it comes to some of these other things, like, I don't believe that you can physically control that sometimes. So no, of course, you're not going to force somebody into a situation where that's going to be active for them. Love other people the way Jesus loves them. Show the kindness and respect that you've that you both want and that Jesus has shown you mm. in these situations. And it's a tension, but at the end of the day, it shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. If we, if we just show other people the love, respect, kindness, and consideration that we've been shown by Jesus. And this whole thing falls into place because you know what? Even if you get it wrong in a situation, hopefully the other person will show you grace. And then you'll respond with asking for forgiveness and moving forward because it's messy. And we don't know all the things about every person that we're around. 
if you're in a conversation, you say something like, Hey, I don't really like that person because this, Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. I didn't know that. And now, you know, for next time, like it shouldn't be as hard as we make it, but we live in a world and a culture where it is hard. And so that's why we can talk about this for 45 minutes and still not come to a great answer other than guys, just love your neighbors the way you, Jesus loves them and the way and treat them the way you want to be treated. I think that's a good place for us to end today. Next week, we're going to be answering your questions about the culture war around us and how we live through it. If you have a question you want to send in, please get those to us by Thursday, October 19th. You can send them to us on social. Eric is at Eric W712 on all the major platforms. I am at Jonathan underscore Corone on them as well. We don't know what will still be major platforms by the time this episode comes out. So we're just saying major platforms. Uh, You can also email those questions into hello at tensionpodcast.com. If you like the show, do us a favor and rate us and review us wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app if you haven't already. Share this episode with a friend if you found it interesting. And as always, thanks for making us a part of your day. And we'll talk to you again next week. I'm